nobody wants to talk anymore. Hey. Y'all want to stop oh. talking now? Well, I said the perfect thing right up front, and then it was like before <laughs> we recorded. Everybody yeah. wants to stop talking as soon as the recording button gets pressed. Well, I see how it is. I do Hi, naturally. Everybody. And welcome yeah. to Agitator. This is our episode on Evil Dead Trap from 1988, and we have a very special guest today, our good friend, Lucas Mango. What's up, Lucas? Uh, not much. It's great to be back. It's uh, been since, um, what, Fudo? Fudo? Episode 7, Pussy Darts the Movie. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> Pussy <laughs> Darts the Movie. Um, I saw you in real life a few days ago. I also That's saw true. Kel- Kelby in real life a few days ago. If we had planned that a little bit better, we could have just done this live. Just huddle around a Yeti. Yeah, or uh, touch each other a little bit. Yeah, we could have all been holding hands while we did it, which I think brings a different kind of energy to a podcast. When yeah, are holding hands. What kind of energy would you define that as exactly? I would define it as very masculine, very brotherly. Um, you know, there's a bit of a Freemason element to it. Probably some, uh, you know, like y'all ever read the Thin Red Line? No, there's this book about World War II, and these soldiers, you know, they're they're in Guadalcanal or something like that, and they're they're fighting off the enemy. And uh, whenever they they bunk up for the night, they fuck each other in the ass because they're lonely. Really? So it has a little bit of that energy to it too, kind of like some thin red line. Yeah, you know, just yeah. uh, that's why once... it's called the thin red line. <laughs> I get it. It's like his butt crack. Yep. Yep. As yeah. it fills up with blood. <laughs> Jello style. Um, so yeah, I saw I met with Lucas at BD Riley's, which was in this Austin is such a strange town because it feels like five or six towns smashed together. I went to an H E B to buy Rios Limes. Uh, yeah. and chips because she wanted a snack while I went and hung out with Lucas and lining the street of that AGB were palm trees which made me think of course of LA uh, there are elements of Austin that remind me heavily of Portland with the coffee shops and the kind of general uh, sort of libtarded nature of some of the city but it's also different in that I went to an in and out when I first got there and everybody, I swear to God, everybody else in the in and out had a mullet, a sleeveless shirt, <laughs> and gym shorts on. It was like the uniform. And I thought, oh, my God, all these guys got the memo of how, how you're supposed to dress in Austin. And then I saw through the kitchen to the drive through window and a shirtless guy with a mullet and a cowboy hat with a pickup bed full of tree limbs was you know getting his burgers or whatever and i was like man austin is just a city that's had an identity crisis for so long it just kind of made it its own Mm -hmm. and the area that you and i went to was like kind of where i live you know that kind of uh prefab uh you know rich millionaire bicycle enthusiast hell you know, yeah. it had good drinks and a nice waitress. So, I mean, I'm not yeah. complaining. It's just kind of like place. where I live, the Rich Millionaire Center. Mm-hmm. Hey, it is what it is. Yeah, I know where we went. Um, it's this uh, kind of development that kind of just, 
I don't know. It's it's weird because it's like they dropped like a like a bunch of townhouses and also some bars and restaurants like in this like chunk of land right off the the highway. I don't know. It's like another city mm-hmm. separate yeah. from Austin itself. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Every, then, every uh, time I, I I shit on Austin, I'm talking about uh, like yeah. I was reminded this weekend. I have to keep in mind that it's a lot of different places. <laughs> It's a it's yeah. a schizophrenic city. Yeah, because yeah. Kelby it's and kind I of the magic up. of it. I feel like. Yeah, Kelby and I linked up, and we went downtown. I had had lunch with Jack from the Perfume Nationalist, and I asked him where the good gay bars were, because Rios likes to go to gay bars and dance, and so we went to the Coconut. Well, we didn't go to the Coconut Club, right? Did we you went go to, to Barbarellas? We, no, uh, we went to Neon Grotto. Neon Grotto. It was called Neon Grotto. And the taqueria next to Neon Grotto, which since, is also a club. Since Barbarella's is the only one I've heard of, I'm assuming that's the uh, that's the trendy one that like would not be cool enough for um, actual gay people. Yeah, this one got packed. We showed up early, which was good because we could get some drinks and hang out. And uh, then it filled up really fast. There was a six foot Amazonian uh, drag queen trans. The, no, the titties were fake. So it was drag queen who was twerking in a in a like a glass enclosure, and it felt really weird because you know this woman was so massive to think about like you know I could be raped by a woman. It was a very <laughs> odd sensation that I've never had before, and then it got me thinking. You know, I've just been thinking about it, not in a you know not in a gay way, but like in a in a fear way <laughs> in a in a fear way that that makes awesome. my pp makes my pp kind of <laughs> stiffy <laughs> but it was cool yeah i mean we went to this uh there's like dance floors with a bunch of smoke and kelby and i tried to get a drink and we were standing there and the bartender was like i only take orders on this side of the bar not not where we we're literally standing like on the other side of like right bar. in front of her looking like, in my yeah. eyes Shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was we cool like it was like a yeah. uh neon like drive it looked like drive everywhere drive the bar <laughs> yeah yeah it was drive the bar uh ryan gosling was there just staring um, at you forever yeah yeah just silently staring with a toothpick in his mouth there was a cherry blossom tree and like this blue neon area with like cherry blossoms on the ceiling unicorn statues tacos it was crazy yeah austin's a really fun city and i still and i like barely leave the house ever and it's i really i really should more it's fun it's fun yeah Yeah, i had never been uh to the area because normally like when i've gone in the past it's been for a very specific reason so i would meet up with nate southard or you or gabino or somebody like that and we would you know we'd be there to go do something right and uh this time we actually got an airbnb off of mlk and it's a really rapidly gentrifying area with a lot of cute houses and a lot of these kind of modern i call them abominations where they're just it's just this ugly you know straight line 
yeah. kind of bullshit. And one of the things I like about Austin is how much of it is like uh, dilapidated angular shacks kind of built on top of each other. Like that's the, mm-hmm. that's the vibe that I like from it. But this neighborhood was cool, but there was, you know, there was a whole group of just cholos when I was going to buy beer, they were just kind of hanging out and I had zero interaction with them, but I was like, I haven't seen show like legit cholos since I didn't even see cholos in El Paso, you know? And I lived in El Paso for three years. So that we was pretty cool. said something. Yeah. We even saw the unicorn of cholos at the grotto. The one oh. gay cholo. We did see a gay cholo, which is, you know, I mean, they have to exist. They're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like he. Well, uh, everybody's but, diversifying, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, good uh, for them. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> um, but I like Austin. I think it's great. It's uh, on the way down. We drove through this town called Mineral Wells. Um, off of 281 and it's got this thing called the Baker Hotel big 450 room hotel that looms over the rest of this very humble cute uh, not mining town but you know it was built there as a spa because of the mineral uh, deposits there but apparently the hotel the Baker Hotel there has been abandoned for a long time it's been on you know people have been on ghost adventures and ghost hunters and stuff like that to to hang out but they're they're renovating it and uh in three years it should be done they're knocking it down from 450 rooms to like 160 uh so they're making the rooms bigger but they're keeping the spa on the second floor and i could not think of a cooler texas writer meetup than going to mineral wells for a long weekend, like a three-day weekend. I'm and so glad you're telling this story again because you told me the night we hung out and I got drunk and forgot. So you like you only had like three drinks. Dude, my weekend was crazy, like just packed, <laughs> like just nonstop. So it was like brain death. Just yeah, you threw you threw some alcohol on something that was already coming to a standstill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can't remember any of the other things you said when we were hanging out? No, I I, I I remember. Most, I think I remember most of them. <laughs> I was just that one particular story. I was like, oh yeah, the hotel, like the hotel. Yep, yep. Um. So yeah, Kelby came over. We saw. Uh, we met up with some rune suit people. So some occultist. Uh, you know, it was a big wizard meetup, and that was pretty tight. Uh, I love those people. There's a really good energy to them, even though uh, a lot of them are really weird. <clears throat> Which is don't say, yeah. (laughs) A lot of these cult freaks are like real weird. But you know what's cool about it is that there are people who you can talk about your weird paranormal experiences with, and they 100% go with whatever you're saying, right? So I can tell them the story about getting lost in Santa Fe in the Santa Fe woods, and how like Rios and I went into a weird time slip. And they're like, oh, 100%. Yeah. And they have resources about like other times that this has happened. They're like, this sounds like a case that I heard of in the Philippines. So it's, um, it's just really cool. That was a, I wanted to recap the weekend a little bit. But, no, that reminds me, I, I, my, my uncle sent me a, a, a Bigfoot encounter video that I still have to watch. So um, 
It reminds me, dude. Just sends me these things all the time. I was driving on this 281, which I don't know why my maps took me down 281 because I could have just gone down 35 just straight down, which is what we did coming up. But I guess since we left on Friday and there was a bunch of traffic, it wanted to take me this back route because it was 15 minutes faster or something. But it's a nightmare because you're going through these towns where if you don't slow down to 30 miles an hour, like you're definitely getting pulled over. So oh, you yeah. have to keep hitting the brakes and the gas and all this kind of stuff. We went through this town uh, called Hamilton, which is a place that should be a horror movie, right? It's, it's just this one narrow street with buildings on either side. Everything's a church. And then they have the Hamilton Historical Museum, which has like, try to picture, this is so bizarre and so dreamlike that you're going to think I'm making it up, but this is totally true. It's this big building that you pass. And on the wall, there are framed glamour shots all along the wall, right? So like, I'm talking about like six foot high pictures of stuff that you would get in a in a mall store, right? Like a lion what? and a sunset and like a person's face. It's the weirdest <laughs> choice I've ever seen in any town ever. It's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. But Hamilton is super, super scary. And so- uh, They probably oh, did go to Target. They just went and caught that shit from like home goods. These were big. <laughs> Bro, when I tell you these are like eight foot tall, poor, like it's, it's like walking into- a Mexican, like an abuela's uh, living room and how, you know, she'll have all the portraits from the years and like her daughter, who's now, you know, in her fifties had a glamor shot in the eighties, right? You know what I mean? And like the big poofy hair uh -huh. and the kind of like washed out look to it. It was like those quality photos <laughs> blown up and put on the side of this building. And it was their historical society. It was the Hamilton Museum. So like, I'm gonna have to are they, look up are they doing an exhibit on dead malls or something? Like, <laughs> that's exactly it, right? It's like, yeah, it's this, it's this super weird vibe. But um, forget why I talked about that. I was going somewhere, but I forgot. It doesn't matter. Um, there on the road to nowhere and how to get there fast. There. there are none of yeah. those on this show. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about 1988's <laughs> Evil Dead Trap. AKA. Which, AKA? Shirio Nowana, Trap of and the it, Dead Spirits. Trap of the Dead Spirits, which is also a very yeah, good title. That is. Um, but I kind of like it when these movies have to um, kind of leech off of more popular IP to make their, yeah. their thing work. That was a. I was actually. I'm more familiar with seeing that get done on Italian films. Like there was a, it was super prevalent in Italian horror from like the late seventies to the late eighties. Like you would have stuff like, you know, Lucio Fulci's zombie, which is, which was released over there as zombie two because Dawn of the dead was released over there as zombie. And so they were treating it as a sequel to Dawn of the dead. And then there was a, uh, movie released over here as shocking dark but in italy it was released as terminator 2 uh, really yeah. <laughs> Dude, i love it when cultures have zero respect for american ip you'll go to china and there'll just be discount mickey mouse everything yep. they're like we don't we don't give a fuck it's it's whatever there's a a really interesting documentary i saw once called uh it wasn't sinophobia 
it was like sign of maybe sinophilia or something. Anyway, whatever the word is for fascination with Chinese culture, <clears throat> and it was breaking Chinese culture up into these seven easy to understand bullet points for Westerners and kind of why as Westerners, we will never a hundred percent understand the mm. mind of the, the mind of the Chinese. Right. Uh, and one of them was this uh, cultural concept of, of uh, uh, copying, right. That in the West, we don't really understand because in the West, even though a lot of shit copies other shit, we have this, false notion that individuality and you know uh, creating new shit is the way to go we're always trying to innovate even though that ends up with a venture capital funded bullshit firm uh developing a brand new machine that you can pay for something on an app and it gives you cheetos and you know it's like okay cool yeah you reinvented the fucking vending machine whatever but in china that concept doesn't exist at all and it's like they don't even understand why it's even a big deal if you can take because you've seen pictures right of like the fake apple stores and the fake android stores and to that what difference does it make right this one's cheaper and it's the same thing so i just i I think that knockoff ip shit is hilarious it's pretty great (laughs) yeah and that's I mean, that's why I mean, I love the title of this movie because it does like, I don't think I knew it was an Asian film until I like saw the, like I said, I'd heard that title like numerous times over the years, but I don't think I had seen a poster for it or anything until like a few months ago. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, it's, I didn't know that, uh, you know, Japan was as shameless as Italy when it comes to uh, <laughs> ripping off popular American horror movies. Which, Which is, it, by the way, this is nothing like Evil Dead. Like, we should just get that out of the way. No, no, this yeah. is not right in the code of Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by any, no, just t- in, t- in title alone. Uh, it also has that kind of very Japanese quality of being extra redundant with the title, like Evil Dead Trap. It's like super ultra mega death. But like, okay. Yeah, least, Crazy <laughs> Thunder Road. <laughs> crazy Thunder Road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I want to knock that off for my titles. I really do. I want yeah. all my titles from now on to have subtitles. Right. So the next book is God's Fair No Better, Colon Dying World. Uh, maybe I'll add an ultra onto the end or something like yeah. that just to make it more fun. Uh, or, you know, uh, God's Fair No Better, Colon uh, Dying World, go with an exclamation point. <laughs> That's just it's a more fun way to title things here. We have to do everything super serious. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, what would like the black phone? Yeah. Like, like the black phone would have been better if it was like black uh, phone 3000 X. <laughs> yeah. Black, black phone, creepy pedo, scary mask or something. Like that. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Which I've been hearing good things about the black phone. I, I have too. I have too. Um, oh, that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. No, the black phone. It looks really good. It's uh, it's based on a Joe Hill story. Um, and it's. Got I remember Ethan the story Hawk. being pretty good, but yeah. it was a long time ago that I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got uh, Ethan Hawke as this uh, pedo, uh, you know, creeper van guy, guy, right? Yeah, like who, wear, yeah. who wears a really spooky mask? I've been getting a lot of ads for it on Twitter. But, oh, uh, that's the like sort of like grinning 
like yep. uh, mm-hmm. like purge half mask with yeah with the creepy it's a half glasses. purge half purge yeah that's but what they should have like, called it. Half purge. Half purge. <laughs> <laughs> they should just called it purge five. Purge five. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a perfect time to plug Itchy the Killer too. I mean, we're adopt we're adopting that. You yeah, know, I saw that. Once my magnum opus, God's Fair No Better Dying World Go Ultra is is finished, we're gonna do Itchy the Killer 2. Uh shave That's special. And just <laughs> just put it out. <laughs> but um Okay, so yeah, this movie has nothing to do with the Evil Dead, uh, except except it does have some POV shots of That's the right. evil the evil baby that we'll get to uh, flying through this abandoned warehouse that are reminiscent of, of Evil the Dead. Sam you're Ray right. Movie, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I, when I saw that, I thought they probably watched this movie, which is a pastiche of uh jello films uh and then kind of like crazy video drum kind of you know video like drum, the curse tech sure yeah. and then but then also like uh what was his name brian yuzna oh or, yeah 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 the um uh, that the society and uh from beyond yeah that's what from beyond i got real from beyond vibes at the end uh, uh totally we'll, the so they take this and they're like, okay, what's the connecting thread that we can that we can tie into American intellectual property to make this thing sell? And they're like, well, there's the there's the POV fast moving. Uh, it's almost like Evil Dead meets Tetsuo whenever that happens because yeah. the camera's floating around, but there's also a bunch of like wires and loud industrial noises. And it's all blue and shit. Yeah, but um. Lucas. Yeah. What is this movie about? So it's about a woman who runs kind of a late night show where people send in tapes of them doing weird shit. Um, Ridiculousness. Yeah, ridiculousness. Um, And she gets a tape of that's basically looks like a guinea pig movie where it's like you've got this girl tied up having horrible shit done to her. And she's like, she thinks maybe it's real, maybe it's fake, but either way, she wants to investigate it because I guess she's also a down on her, her luck reporter. Um, and uh, so she gets together with Scoob and the gang. And, yeah, this movie yeah. did have big Scooby Doo vibes. Yeah. And That's so they go uh, follow. Oh, yeah, because the video that she gets has um, directions, essentially, like it shows like of like a car going to this place and so they follow the directions on the video and come to this abandoned warehouse and uh horror ensues right yep that's where it becomes saw yeah <laughs> slash final destination inside a warehouse but yeah i mean david brought up the the giallo vibes which were fucking strong in this movie like even you even had like the recurring like kind of goblin-esque theme going um throughout most of the movie i do want to talk about the the music in this movie and how massively unsettling it is um the first thing though that i want to talk about is that opening scene where she gets uh the videotape that she watches that has the unshian andalu 
eyes stabbing, yes. but but turned up to fucking eleven. Where it's like we're gonna show it. <laughs> yeah, it's like this we're woman's about to get, to get stabbed the... in the eye, and then she does, and the knife goes into the eye, and a bunch of you know optical ocular fluid, goo. ocular goo. Thank you. Yeah, starts starts bubbling out of it or whatever. But then the knife keeps going, and it goes yeah. like up into her orbital and like cuts through and just like keeps going. Yeah. And um, that's when I immediately, <laughs> I love movies that let you know, we talked about this on the last episode with Zach talking about coin locker babies and how the, the first line of that novel is a woman sucking a baby's penis and how uh, the reviews on Goodreads vary from five stars. This is great to, to one star. This is disgusting. And oh, it's like, how, why did you read the rest of it? Like the first line is a is a baby's penis getting sucked, and then by the way, the baby getting wrapped in plastic and put into a coin locker. In the similar vein, Evil Dead Trap. If if you get past the first like five minutes, then you know, yeah, you know what you're in for because also, <laughs> and this is not a criticism because I think this movie's great. And I don't want to denigrate it. I feel like they kind of blew their gore budget on the beginning and the end, right? So, so the creature yeah. at the end is really uh, cool. Oh, go ahead. But but there's that really cool saw type death where like all the spikes randomly come out of the the wall in that room. Sure. And yeah, thought that was pretty pretty. Which, by the way, too. is completely unexplained. So anyway, so she gets her yeah. eye cut. Yeah, Scoop, <laughs> it's like where did they come from? the gang. Scoop and the gang go to this. Uh, by the way, Amazon Prime let me know as soon as I started watching this. It was like fun fact because Amazon Prime likes to do this. They like to not let you take screenshots and also give you fun facts. That's, that's the two <laughs> things that they do. Yeah. Um, and they said, fun fact, many of the actresses in this film were adult performers. In I knew it. And, yeah. I knew it. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. Kelly. <laughs> no, no, just no. just with how just with how actually uh, graphic and kind of hardcore the sex is in this, yeah. in this movie. Like, you don't see penetration, obviously, but uh, the movie definitely slows its clip down whenever there's a sex scene that's about to happen. So they go to this abandoned warehouse again. This is a low budget. Uh, it's not DIY, but it's it's definitely a low budget movie. So they have one location, which yep. is this abandoned warehouse, and immediately a couple goes off to have sex. Right, the guy yeah. and they have a great way of doing it too. The guy's like, um, "Sorry about uh, last night. I was uh, really drunk and I couldn't uh, couldn't get it up." And she says, "Oh, that's fine, Teehee." And then they're in this abandoned warehouse and he's like, oh, I think I can get it up this time. And then we're treated to a two minute long sex scene between the two of them. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, because this woman just had sex that she's going to be, she's the first to die. She's and that's how, what, that's how it works. That's what Lucas is talking about. She's in a room and this is never explained no. <laughs> how, how this, how this could work. But spikes start coming out of the floor and the wall to yeah. impale her. At like every angle. At every angle. And it's a very mm-hmm. beautiful shot when she's yeah. completely impaled, right? Uh, and covered in blood. But we're not told where the spikes come from. And frankly, we, we, never, we never find out. 
Mm. Yeah. You want to take it from here, Kelby? So then there's this this guy who pops up. Uh, he's a. Does he have a name? He he does. He has a name. What was his name? I, I know Hideki is the is the little baby, but I forget his name. Yeah, Hideki. Yeah, I don't the baby remember guy. Any of the names. Um, just the killer. He's the killer. Baby. He's the killer. Obviously, yeah, and you know it. Right. Until there's more to it, which was <laughs> great. Like I love, I, I love how conventional this movie is. It got like the main thing this movie got me thinking about was how like, um, well, first how how much horror artists embrace the trope and like yeah. just just inherently love familiarity and manipulating like that's all horror is right is taking the familiar and experimenting with that like you're not trying to do your uh you're you're basically doing this copy paste thing like we were talking about with the cultures like you're taking the no need to reinvent the wheel (laughs) exactly you just make that wheel you just put spinners on it or something and yeah so uh nami the reporter chick who's trying to get to the bottom of of this um by the way she's in that tape right didn't they like take her mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, that they, they sent her at the beginning right yeah they, they 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 cut out a bit of her late night show which is this sort of public access yeah it's like one level above public access uh alex jones the early alex jones style of or like uh uh, Elvira or Joe Bob Briggs right. or somebody like that, where she's basically, you know, here on the late, late night with Nami, we're talking about uh, scary shit. So she's like kind of a shock jock uh, horror person, but they right. found a clip of her and you hear this dubbed voice being like, doesn't she look like our mom? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's this, you know, there's this weird fan obsession thing going on that she's also trying to get to the bottom of um and this guy shows up smoking in the doorway and it's just like gotta be careful around here there's two of them but they're like the same and you know being weird and then walks off into the grass smoking a cigarette wearing his sunshades and she's like okay that guy is gonna kill try to kill me later uh all of the rest of her friends get got in different ways. One of them is in a van. Uh, being so uncomfortable. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, actually. And I'll tell that, you why. Go ahead, Kelby. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. The titties? <laughs> well, there's not... Re- well, yeah, I guess there are. Uh, no, I thought that that's when I realized that this movie really had a sense of humor uh, that I think is really good because the woman who gets killed in the van, there is a a captive that the killer is uh, keeping in a pit who's got a big ball gag in his mouth. Yeah. And apparently he's been told that if he offs some of the people who've shown up, they'll let him go. So the guy finds this chick in the van and starts to strangle her. And then he says, Oh no, strangling's not good enough i want to have some fun first and you're like oh god this is going to be weird and it is <clears throat> and we, cut, we, we cut away <laughs> and when we cut back he's raping her right 
but he's like giving her the backstory of what's going on. Oh, and that's as, right. as as she's being raped, she says like, "So you're telling me there are two killers?" <laughs> like she's yeah. asking for more plot points. <laughs> and I was just like, "God damn!" So this movie definitely has a sense of humor. That guy ends up getting shot with a crossbow, comes out his mouth. Uh, and then she gets some kind of piano wire or something wrapped yeah. around her neck and and, and dragged like right. pulled up over the van in this beautiful. So this this movie has like, uh, and you know when you see a movie, we I think we talked about this with Tetsuo how it looks like oh I could do that not because it's done extremely well but you can see kind of how it might have been done. Yeah. You know, even like you would, it takes a lot of talent and a lot of work, but like you do see how it could be done. And that's like, oh, damn, that's impressive. Um, This movie has that kind of quality to it where you're like, all these effects are very practical, but they're so good and Mm -hmm. like uh, dangerous seeming too. like some of the like fireworks they were throwing around. I was like, that looks like it would hurt if it just got you in the face or something and they're like popping <laughs> off right next to chick's head and shit. Um, so yeah, from the van, I feel like people multiplied when they went there. Cause weren't, it seemed like they went with a crew of like four, maybe five. five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the one gets spiked, the one gets uh, jelloed, whatever the main girl and the guy, fall down a pit a pit right that's the movie's solution to keeping them from getting axe murdered right away the guy gets his head cut off right they find his head later and then the other lady who i'll hand this off to lucas is found in an evil dead trap (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's like strung up oh that's right okay so she's um she's tied up and the this is like such a uh this is something that like i feel like the people who made saw like must have seen this movie like because it's such a jigsaw type trap like it's like she's she's tied up and then the the final girl uh nami um is is kind of trying to open the door to help her but like but if she opens the door there's like a crossbow that's gonna shoot her um and but the girl's got a ball gag in her mouth and she so she's like trying to warn nami not to do it but you know nami just thinks she's asking for her help and uh she opens the door and then you think you're you think it's like a you know sigh of relief because the the arrow misses but then like nami trips over a trip wire and the meat cleaver like just like completely <laughs> that separates a, this again, girl's that, face yeah that was one of my like i laughed out loud at a lot of parts in this movie, but that was another one of them. And that's that well, the, this, the sense of humor this movie has. <clears throat> There's no jokes in the movie. No, it's all this kind of situational stuff. But when, when she walks in and sees that, uh, you know, this crossbow arrow has just barely missed her friend, she's like, Oh, let me go untie you. And just yeah. Pratt, Pratt falls over another wire that like you said releases them and it's great gore effects too you yeah know, the machete thing hits her in the side of the face and it looks like her face is kind of peeling off but uh but not really so then she's uh basically uh 
she's able to sort of escape if she wants to, but then she's like, no, I'm going to take revenge. By the way, this is important to say. Everything that we've just described, this is an hour and 40 minute movie. All of this happens in the first 40 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was seriously like, where, how? I did I have at- a moment. Yeah. <laughs> where I was like, is this, is the running time wrong on prime? Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, like, is, I is like, there like a bonus section where we're going to get like interviews or something? Because you think after this 40 minutes, it's run through the standard slasher movie plot. Yeah, yeah. slash and movie plot. Uh, so then she wakes up in this underground chamber after, you know, wait, no. No, she's on a that? rooftop. That's right. That's right. That's right. But basically the movie is divided into three parts. And the first act is the slasher movie. The second act is this kind of insanely ponderous, mm-hmm. slow descent into the bowels of this this facility because she has to escape with the guy who's actually the killer and then the last third of the movie is where it becomes a monster movie essentially and every single like i we talk about this so many times on the show it's not even really worth repeating but we love tonal shifts on the show and this i really love the idea of just having three ideas it's like, well, I want to kind of do a slasher. I also want to do an urban explorer underground uh, kind of mood piece. Mm-hmm. But then I also want to do From Beyond uh, slash Rosemary's Baby. Yep. So why don't I just do them? In, you know what? I'll do them in that order too. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. No. It's, tonal shifts are great. I mean, I, I think we talked about it back in the day a lot as well. Back in the day, like a year ago. But um, <laughs> hey, uh, that's like another micro generation already popped up between now and then. Yeah. No. I mean, guys, they, I can still hear you. I'm just going to use the restroom, but keep talking. You're good. Yeah. No. I, I think tonal shifts can be really. Um, I don't know. I mean, they can just be. They can just keep things interesting and. I think in the right hands, like it won't feel like, like, cause it never, even though it has those three, like huge, like shifts, they, this doesn't feel like three movies. I mean, it still no. feels like one movie. No. Um, and, and I think that's a testament to the, to the creators um, in this particular case. I think the genius of it is one, putting it in that one location so that you can it's kind of like creating a box you're creating your uh you know the parameters of the playground so you can do whatever you want play on whichever you know the monkey bars or the swing set or whatever yeah but you know where the sandbox ends Mm -hmm. and so it's like it feels contained within this one yeah, because then you, you know, maybe you start to dig and you like find some weird shit in the sandbox. Yeah, like, you find out that there's a hollow earth. Yeah, below exactly. The, yeah. Or you jump on the merry-go-round and all of a sudden you're flung off into space. Yep. But uh, it it did this really cool thing with the being um, super, super tropey. I think it felt like one movie because it was like a greatest hits kind of vibe. Yeah. 
Uh, highlight like, reels. Oh, yeah. Y'all really loved Yalo and uh, fucking slasher and torture porn. And Although this torture is porn was not a thing yet. So, right. Yeah. yeah. No, nah, this thing was ahead <laughs> of its ahead of its time for sure because it felt uh it did feel torture pornish yeah, in some ways definitely i mean that's kind of what the whole setup is doing yeah. it's like hey come here so i can kill you in some crazy ass ways <laughs> yeah that- i remember like when i first saw the um yeah that that opening death scene i was like this is like extra grimy for the time like i don't know like just yeah it felt very torture porn like i don't know <laughs> It fools you too because it feels so cozy. Yeah, it's like uh, it's got the watery red paint blood, you, you know that kind of giallo blood, but that's like um, cool and effective, but harmless. It's like yeah, you know, that's obviously fake. So you're always like, I'm watching a movie, yeah. and it's got this like goblin soundtrack. This do 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 do, and which was like kind of giving me anxiety at times because of what I was watching versus what I was hearing. I was like, oh my god, it felt uh, it felt like they accidentally put the wrong soundtrack in there in some scenes. Um, yeah, <laughs> my friend, uh, a few uh, about a year ago sent me this meme, uh, it was like about like italian horror and and they were just like they're just like oh, what a beautiful piece of music how can i how can i how can i like film a woman getting murdered in a horrible way like to this beautiful piece of music like, it'd probably be me with uh just my favorite songs if i was given like hey uh we want you to do the soundtrack to this movie i just be like my favorite song my playlist that week would just go in it and they'd be like why the fuck is throw some d's playing on this uh child's birthday scene music in particular really unsettled me the way it seemed to unsettle you guys because it is this uh gloopy at times kind of tinny synth thing that sounds like you'd be listening to it on movie day in sixth grade when your teacher rolls out the big uh the cart with the with the tv on it and puts it in and there's a documentary about bees or some shit and there's like do 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 boom 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 like that kind of that kind of sound uh i feel like Fever Ray really took that kind of synth sound and turned it into something spooky. And she was really able to bring that out of it. But in the context of this movie in 1988, it was such a bizarre choice to not go with the, you know, the typical string orchestral soundtrack or, you know, there, there is some points where it, it feels more like a horror movie where you have the kind of pulsating uh, yeah. synth music especially towards the end but leading up to it it had this um i don't know it's just i i i've been getting close to something yeah playful sound exactly exactly i've been getting close to something we talked about it in coin locker babies how and in the other murakami episode where we talked about how his ability to describe violence is is enhanced by how casual and to the point it is Mm -hmm. um and i think that overall 
horror is so much it's so much creepier and grimier if you're not if you don't get the impression that they're constantly trying to scare you you know what i yeah. mean like if there's this soundtrack that i personally like wouldn't listen i wouldn't listen to it it's not right. a great theme but they'd certainly love it we'll play it at the beginning of the show um but that puts you in this really weird headspace where you you think am i watching something by somebody who's actually insane yeah. who, who doesn't realize that what they're doing is fucked up <laughs> nice yeah i can totally see that so um, the killer yeah the that's that is where um it's not exactly split up like i said he's the guy who shows up smoking randomly and just being the weird obviously creepy dude who's gonna end up being the guy in the mask uh he also tags along with her when she loses the rest of it when she loses you know scooby and daphne and all them (laughs) he uh he joins up with her and is like i've got a gun and right we're we're gonna find this guy and he's like all shooting into the dark further proving that like this guy is definitely the killer because he's like oh i think he went around the corner and then he like shoots at the wall uh look sometimes a red herring is not a red herring i guess it, it was wonderful like it's not a it's not a um to the movie's detriment like it, it's like the movie was doing that on purpose and it yeah. somehow managed to be meta in that sense right without really letting you know that, that it was at, doing like, that physically winking at the camera you know yeah yeah no yeah. It, it, it wasn't like fully straight up about it but you're like i've seen a million horror movies like i know what this is and yeah. they're just having fun with it and uh so he has this like uh semi heart attack at one point and and tells her oh this happens sometimes it's it's nothing it'll pass and we find out when she finds his lair with the looping recorded voice of uh his mother talking to you know getting him ready for school and asking him where he's been and uh that just plays on this loop and it's kind of this like Tetsuo attic with wires hanging all over the place and these beds lined up with skeletons hung on the wall uh, over them. Kind of looked like my bedroom when I was 14, 15. We get the reveal that it's him, that there's this family portrait of uh, two boys and one of them has a bunch of spikes stabbed into him. Showing well, that was that, the, that was the mother and the and the son, right? Oh, that was the mother. Yeah, that was the mother. So I it was think, just right, one. Lucas? Um, I think so. You I know don't what? Know. Yeah, gotta be yeah, honest, she, but... yeah. She it says a, it's something. a picture of him and his mom when the mom's got a bunch of pins. Okay. Stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, she uh, because Nami says, you know, there is not two of you. There's no other. There's no brother. I saw the picture. Oh, right. So, yeah. it, so it was just the mom and the son. But he's, you know, having this panic attack with fireworks going all over the place. And, like, it turns into this, like, pyros, uh, what do you call it? Pyrokinetic uh, fire starter kind of 
um, nod with random flames popping up and uh, the his chest opens up to reveal a giant what looks like a heart maybe at first some musculature like fleshy uh, lump jumps out of his chest cavity and then cranes its head up to reveal it's his brother it's his <laughs> baby brother who lives in his chest yep. and and tells him in a in an omniscient voice that can be heard by like nami is like who the hell is talking yes. and, it, and it's the voice in his head it's <laughs> amazing well she can hear it now because it's out of his chest right right it, it's not it's what? not inside of him anymore yeah, so he's he's begging her to kill him, and she finally shoots him. And the bullet hole is where this like thing starts to the bullet hole starts to go like and then uh, the baby comes out. And then what what happens, Lucas? Take us home. <clears throat> um, I mean, it just it's kind of like a jump scare ending, isn't it? Like it just comes out and like jumps on her face or something. Like, a... <laughs> well, it comes out. And it's it's this pulsating meat sack, right? Uh, and it starts doing the Evil Dead thing, yeah, going around everywhere. And then he, uh, the guy from from whence this vanishing twin comes. There's a lot of synchronicities on this show, but if you're a listener, you know that the vanishing twin is important to a book that I'm writing right now, which was kind of it was kind of cool to see. But the idea is it's a baby that was, you know, a twin that was kind of like consumed in the womb um, that then kind of makes this reappearance. So the guy uh, grabs the, the meat baby yeah, and puts it back in his chest. Oh, He's right. like, oh, and he takes a knife and he stabs the baby in his own chest and yeah. <laughs> falls over, lights himself on fire. Uh, I want to pause for a second and say that i really love the set design of this guy's lair because it's not it's not overdone there's there's beer cans and you know it looks like a place that a guy would live but also there's wiring hanging from the ceiling and as kelby mentioned weird pictures of the human anatomy uh above like kind of cots in this in this kind of empty empty room uh so he falls over, gets burned, and then he's this like charred thing. And all of a sudden it becomes like Friday the 13th, right? Where he's like, he's back and he's like trying to yeah. choke her. She grabs a shard of glass, stabs him in the eye. He falls out a window and just like disintegrates into, into pieces. Right, right. So then we cut exorcist to Exorcist nod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is an exorcist. Or Halloween, depending on. Uh... True. Halloween yeah. also. Yeah, yeah. Except he doesn't disappear, right? They actually right. find his, they find his body. Um, we cut to a, a, a hospital and again, the movie sense of humor is that there's a cop talking to her and he's like smoking a cig and it says no yeah. smoking. And he gives her that's a cigarette. Right. And he's that's like, right. He's like, right. You want to, you want to, you want to smoke? And she's like, uh, he's like, yeah, we looked everywhere for the, um, the, the, the evil baby that was killing people. <laughs> yeah. and we couldn't, we couldn't find the evil baby anywhere. So right we're just going to leave that out of the report for your own good. And she says, okay, bet, whatever. I'll go on with my life. And then she does a news report on it. Everybody congratulates her. 
and the movie ends with her uh, all of a sudden getting really bad pangs in her uh, neck, chest, whatever. She's kind of doing this extremely dramatic kabuki theater kind of like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then she explodes, right? Yes. Like her entire, her entire That's body right. explodes yeah. and the baby comes out of her and there's this close up on its like little red fetus mouth and it says, <gasps> mommy. And then that's yeah. it. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> Such a good <laughs> it basically ending. Basically, just comes back and gets her. But uh, yeah, so that's the movie. Um, and now we're we're open to talk about I don't know aesthetics, Giello, whatever you guys want to talk about. Were you guys able to find anything like as far as like behind the scenes stuff on this movie? Like, because I, I was curious, like what, like I mean, I don't know. I, I almost feel like you don't need any of that because the influences are so obvious, you know, mm-hmm. like, I, like he wouldn't have to tell me that he saw Videodrome or saw right. Deep Red or saw, you know. But what he is, uh, this director is a uh, Toshiharu Aikida is a porn director. Hmm? When I, when I said, when I said, Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's because I had this suspicion that these were adult film stars. Because you, I mean, you know that kind of set. They have that kind of "I'm the cable guy" vibe to it. Mm, except yeah. it's like I'm the rapist guy. Um, and <laughs> do you have any holes that need filling against your will? Uh, <laughs> and that old classic porn trope of "Hi, I'm a rapist." <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be a thing, right? Um, and I'm also your dad. The okay, let's go. so so I looked it up. I I did look that up. I was like, "What has this guy done? He's done porn." And I was like, yeah. "Yep, knew it. Fucking knew it." Oh, that's interesting. Um, the uh, uh, I know. Yeah, I've I've stumbled on a few movies where like there were you know there was. Like that was kind of their background, like blood sucking freaks, like everybody in that came from porn. Um, and it's like a lot of the Italian directors would like make softcore, like interchangeably with their genre stuff. Like it was, there was no, like, they just, I don't know. They would make like sometimes like hundreds, like a hundred movies and like, yeah, it would be just either porn or horror or dystopian science fiction they just they didn't they didn't they would not be pigeonholed it's like inferno xx amazon ladies supreme porn does the title thing right yeah porn (laughs) porn does the title thing that i'm talking about that's That's true that's true it also brings an element of diy sleaziness that lucas you and i talked about a little bit at bd Riley's about Mm -hmm. we talked we were talking about a24 specifically about hereditary but uh uh, of which I'm a huge fan I think hereditary is great I think midsummer is great I have very basic opinions on that movie I'm kind of with the crowd in all of that um but the this idea that there is a a crisp and artful way to make horror that is missing this element of trash and sleaze that evil dead trap totally has. Now we've said that the movie has 
it has the 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 I hate the word unnecessary sex scene or the phrase unnecessary sex scene because it's like I mean is it necessary to see a woman get her face chopped off no of course and <laughs> they have this sex scene with this this actress who's got a great pair of tits so it it's perfectly logical that you would show those tits off um and so what is it about like even though there's a rape scene and there's this unnecessary sex scene quote unquote uh it still feels almost innocent right yeah and i'm wondering if that sense of innocence isn't what makes it so sleazy right The, the 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 childlike inability to adequately acknowledge the gravity of what's happening yeah feels sleazy right right where it's like yeah we're just gonna put this on camera because why wouldn't we yeah the um, music or, right the music or, or because yeah exactly the music and like the fact that like the movie the whole the movie as a whole does kind of feel playful like you know and, mm-hmm. and not just because of the music and yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that totally tracks because you, you take something like, you know, to, to throw it way back um, to uh, Last House on the Left, like there is, you know, this, this, you know, very famous movie, Wes Craven's first movie, I believe, um, you know, these two women try to get, try to score some grass at a concert and then they end up getting kidnapped and, and raped and tortured. But all of that is intercut with the, these like, like, I guess comedic uh scenes of like the cops like trying to find them and just failing miserably <laughs> and it's like got like really like jangly like kind of upbeat music in in these scenes where the cops are just being like complete fuck-ups right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> where it's like it's basically what we're saying is like sleaze is the inability to reckon with the gravity of what's going on even though it's horrible right and Miike does that obviously all the time, which is why I think his movies have such a patina of sleaze over them, even when they're not really sleazy. Uh, to use one that is sleazy, like Itchy the Killer, for example, the movie feels like it's just dripping with cum and goo, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, which makes sense because the title card is in cum, basically. Yes. But the Itchy the Killer could be done tonally the way something like hereditary is done where everything is like the acting is really good in hereditary the music is really good every shot is framed like a wes anderson movie uh everything is so artful and and paced and and given its due as a legitimately scary thing that doesn't register as sleazy but if you start to get the impression in say Itchy the Killer, where a woman gets raped and cut in half, or nipples get sliced off, or people get hung from fish hooks and boiled alive with tempera uh, uh, goo or uh, oil. Oil, thank you. <laughs> Everything's goo. goo. Everything's goo now, right? <laughs> That's what this movie made like me feel, right? It made goo. me feel kind of like there's there's a goop to it. <laughs> but if you watch those movies, and it get you get the impression that the movie has a sense of humor which Hereditary decidedly does not. No. Uh, Midsummer does, but it's still in that, kind. it's in that like, the the humor never intrudes into the world of horror, right? right. That's why I think so right. many people thought that it was a kind of ungainly 
movie, which I mean, I love, but you would switch between the yeah, like there'd be funny a, stuff and, you know, yeah. and then the, the, the actual spooky stuff that you're supposed to think is spooky. Right. Um, but they never, they never actually cross paths. The, the key to sleaze is the sense you get from a movie that the person behind the wheel, the director, the producer, the actors to a certain extent, probably are having fun with right. the gross material. Yeah. Which most horror movies, like that's what made so many uh, like seventies, eighties horror films hit so hard. Right. It's yeah. because you're still where you're just getting your hands on like practical effects and stuff, you know, film is still relatively young. And so it's not this thing where it's like, I need to be a serious artist. It's like, how else can we have fun with this shit? Like we just figured out how to put sound into this stuff. And then we've got like color and we're allowed to show some tits and then it yeah. and like relaxing on content ratings and stuff you know exactly so yeah. it's like now we can really have fun because we can put whatever fucked up shit we want in this bitch and like mm-hmm. yeah it is that element of fun and keeping the lights on a bit um yeah with you know exorcist one of the scariest movies to me of all time is like a hundred percent in daylight as far as i can remember for the most and, part yeah, uh, I think I think the final exorcism takes place at night, but I, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the cover itself is you know the famous oh, right. light. Yeah, on, right. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, no, and I, I I wonder too if um, because this is something that we talk about a lot, if the current you know kind of cultural climate around things like gore and rape and things like that mm-hmm. haven't been really bad for sleeves. Because all of a sudden now you can't, you can't ever show that you're having fun when you make a rape scene or when you you have to be making uh, a statement. Lucas is Lucas's books, I think are sleazy in this way because people people piss on each other and (laughs) pedo shit happens and whatever, but it's always with this kind of like pulp. uh, All right. And we're still running right along. Right. So people have issues with your books because they're gross yeah. and they're nasty. And but, I'm not responsible about it. But the no. issue, that's the thing. The issue no. is that you are not presenting these things in a context where everybody knows the way that they're supposed Which, to feel. Who decides what's responsible anyway? Like, right? Well, it's all ritual, right? I mean, it's all it's all basically. Um, you know, the setting that you put something in. So if you have a rape scene, you're supposed to have it build up <clears throat> and be really, uh, you know, you're supposed to follow the, the, the woman who gets raped and have her backstory. And then when it happens, it's very tastefully shot uh, now to make sure that nobody gets titillated, which is the purpose of rape scenes is to titillate, right? But we, we want to make sure that we're not titillating anybody. And then once it's done, we know how we're supposed to feel. So if you have the last house on the left, which has like (laughs) those scenes that you were talking about, but like, if I'm remembering the movie correctly, like one of the rapist killers gets killed by like an electrified doorknob. Right. And he gets like, Um, like that might be in the remake. 
I think it's in the original because like the dad kills them, right? I've never seen the remake. So right? okay, so in the original, let's let's see if I can remember all the deaths. Like so, he he, he, he rigs up that doorknob so that when the might be right. the guy grabs it, he's like Whoa. yeah. Because there's that's funny. There's a that's like yeah, yeah. and there, like, I think oh, the whoa. mom like the mom like blows the one guy and bites his dick off too, like right, um, right. by the yeah. pool. Yeah, yeah. Which how, how are you supposed to feel about that? Yeah, you know, like. <laughs> It's pretty funny and terrifying. I remember in Jack Ketchum's Offspring, uh, which is one of the most fucked up books I've ever read. That's yeah. the way that one of the the cannibal guys gets taken out. Right? It's like right. the 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 final girl is kind of trapped, and she's with this guy, and he's gonna rape her or something. And she's like, "Oh, you know, let me suck that dick." And the scene is extremely graphic. Like you yeah. get the the full like she's throating it, she's like gagging on it. Like, tear, oh, like you can tell that Ketchum is like writing this one handed, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then she bites it off. Yeah, and you're like oh fuck, I don't know how to feel about that because on the one hand, she bit his dick off, and now now she can escape and be the final girl. But on the other hand, she did she did suck his dick. So I'm very uncomfortable with this whole thing. But like those writers were great for sleaze. Like Ketchum, yeah, yeah, Ketchum did not. Ketchum did not play. Man, he was like so good. R.I.P. to a but goat. Would, but wouldn't you agree though that there's like you know what separates the Ketchums and the Ed Lees and you know mm-hmm. the Takashi Miike's and Evil Dead Trap from from some of the and Last House on the Left from some of these other movies is just not affording these these situations the the gravity that they culturally are supposed to be afforded that's yeah that's that is interesting right because like i yeah because i think of it as like you know we're we're talking about i don't know because i i'm of two minds of it like one in like a way like i'm like okay well we obviously know these things are bad so like if we put it in this kind of context that maybe ignores the gravity of them it actually kind of serves as like a container or something like that um or and then the other the other thought uh is just like i don't know it's art man i mean <laughs> I yeah, it works. yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. When like you're it, like... it is it is art yeah Sorry. The, go ahead. I, well, I think it's it's within the purity of the creator. It's one of those things that you can't um, you can't teach in a, like a one hundred and one class. It just like we talk a lot, or we've talked a lot about on this show about like uh, natural talent just being something that some people just gotta you know like, get the fuck over. It's a thing, and it does exist, and it's uh, the purity of most horror creators or at least the ones who pull their shit off are it is just something in them it's like it's this pure i wait what did i do well why are you mad at me why are you mad why that's the agitator podcast i ask myself this every week when people are mad about something that we said i'm like what why this podcast is pure it's pure sleaze right because Mm -hmm. like kelby neither kelby nor i actually like every episode we don't set out to say fucked up shit that makes people like we're literally confused living in the moment i also can't remember ever saying anything fucked up on this show so (laughs) i just stay confused (laughs) what now my wholesome family podcast with my brother yeah. what are you talking about 
That's what we say. We say it's, 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 it's the most wholesome podcast on the entire internet. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, maybe I'll say something like women shouldn't read or something. And everybody gets really upset well, about that. Isn't that the same as a rape scene, right? Exa- like- thank you. Yes. Thank you. It's not being treated with the gravity culturally that we're supposed to right uh-huh. now. You know what I mean? Like saying women shouldn't be allowed to read is uh, clearly a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> it's an absurd statement. It's, it's an, an absurd, absurd statement. statement. It's a crazy thing to say. And the idea that people would take it. I'm just, I can't take it seriously because I'm like, are you, are you retarded? Do you, do you not understand like when, people are goofing around and having fun so that's what i would that's 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 why i feel such a kinship to these sleazy movies whether it's me gay or evil dead trap or whatever it's because you genuinely get the impression that in this case you know ikeda who's a porn director is going to make this this movie that's a pastiche of all of his influences and there's kind of like the most alarming thing as a viewer watching it is how little seriousness and gravity some of these extreme things are given right Right. and you can tell that he just did them he's like wouldn't it be great if we cut this bitch's face off in this (laughs) scene and then you see it and it's you know it's cool it's it's really good after after you give the viewer false hope that oh the arrow missed her head so she'll be fine (laughs) isn't this fun and somehow that playful trickster uh uh sense of fun is more disturbing to people than if you give them something like, uh, fuck, I don't know, Requiem for a Dream, which is oh, like, yeah. from from the beginning, you know what that's supposed to be. Um, yeah. Irreversible, right? I mean, which I think is a great movie, but- Sure, sure. Is, I, I don't think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. I never, I, I never had a chuckle during Irreversible. <laughs> no, no, no I horny, I, none of that, none of that French chuckle. stuff. <laughs> None of those uh, French extreme movies were, were funny. Although I did have like one pretty great moment about a year ago when I was, uh, my neighbor really wanted to see Martyrs because he'd never seen it before. I haven't seen it, but I've heard that I've heard Martyrs mentioned in whispered tones about like, this is a fucked up movie. Yeah. Um, so uh, that what made it special was one of the, somebody else came over and they like were not a horror fan at all. So I don't even know what they were doing there. Like, but um, the whole time this dude's just squirming and, and there's this, there's this scene where like this chick has been locked in a basement for like ever. And so like this metal helmet that she's got in her head is like fused to her scalp. It's like really nasty. And there's a scene where it gets pulled off and this dude like threw up in his mouth. It was (laughs) fucking beautiful. It's like showing up to an orgy when you don't have a penis. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing here, bro? We're fucking, or, we're sucking and fucking here. What are you talking about? Or, or any holes? You're just or Marilyn holes. Manson on that. Oh, uh, I guess that's true. I guess you don't. Or mechanical animals cover. <laughs> yeah, you can. You can be a woman in an orgy too. You're just thinking of dudes. Really? <laughs> he brings no, up no, orgy and he about... just he, he says orgy and he thinks you have to have a penis to show up. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a human centipede basically um, <laughs> wait that didn't have penises 
Human Centipede is a great example of this, actually, of a movie that really fucked people up when it came out. Two movies came out, uh, I think, the same year, Serbian film and uh, Human Centipede. If they weren't the same year, they were very close. Yeah. So if I recall correctly, Human Centipede was 2009, Serbian film was 2010, and then Human Centipede 2 was 2011. It was like three years in a row. And then like... So there's there's this whole... So there's this this period of time in american well it's not america serbian uh it, there's a period of time in popular movies that are popular in america let's say it right. that way where this was kind of all uh the sleaze was brought to the forefront because yeah. human centipede refused to treat this grotesque over the top thing with any respect at all uh i did not see human centipede 2 i'm assuming it's also vile uh serbian film which is actually a, a really tender movie in a lot of ways um, and also very devastating in how it yeah. all ends up. I can, there are very few movies that I can pull to mind uh, like shots from and Serbian film is one of them. One of them is when he's first in the porno and he's sitting in that Twin Peaks, uh, you know, dark room and the, the video screen comes on and it's just like a little girl in a dress. Uh, and you're like, Oh, this is, gonna be fucked up yeah this is so fucked. and the other one of course is like the legs right with the blood right. coming out um but those were movies that didn't you know in serbian film the legs with the blood coming out where he's fucking his own son right is juxtaposed with him getting up and fucking a guy in the eye socket to death right yes. so it's it's fun right you're you're actually having a good time while you're watching this movie and the fact that it's not this huge bummer where uh, I don't know the director's name, but you know, uh, where they're not sitting you down and saying, this is the way that you're supposed to be feeling. Right. Right. You never get sat down and said like in, in human centipede, like, here's what I mean. Here's yeah. how you're supposed to be feeling. Yeah. That fucks people up. It right? does. It's, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, for it's one, not it's insulting to inte- intelligence, you know, I sure. mean, like, it's like, I don't know. Like, I'm not a big boy. I can't like watch this movie and like <laughs> without yeah. turning into like a raving lunatic. <laughs> right. Right. It's 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 not. It's literally not the content. It's the context. Right. Because you can. Show yeah. Anything. I mean, most people. I mean, you take the 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 films you cited, Human Centipede and a Serbian film. Most people who uh, um, like got really outraged about those movies, like didn't actually even watch them like they like like read about what they were about or read about that infamous scene in a serbian film and they just were like how are these things you know what fucked up in a serbian film wasn't even the child rape it was the uh the scene where the woman has all of her teeth pulled out and the Mm -hmm. the brother in the in the like burlap mask like chokes her to death on his own dick. Like he pinches her nose and makes her throat it. And she's got no, they pulled all of her teeth out. So she like yeah. suffocates on his dick. That would have fucked me up. I was like, damn, I would hate Jesus. to die that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like the killer. The, the brother must've been like, oh, wait, wait, wait. I saw last house on the left. You got to take care of something before I, uh, yeah, we got to make sure before. we pull that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A man will fuck a snake. If you gave him a chance, he's like, fuck yeah, fuck a snake, just pull his teeth. Um <laughs> that's, that's sampled a, in a in Danny a, Brown. 
Yeah, 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 it's oh, the yeah. Danny Brown song. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what movie that's from. I just know it from the Danny Brown song. <laughs> okay, I was like, "Fuck!" Did we figure? Is it Last House on the Left? No. Um, but yeah, no. I feel like we really. I feel like we got to something here, right? It's 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 not it's not what you say. It's it's how you say it because, or uh, or like you know, again the context that you're giving it in because Kelby and I right. have been trying to figure out for the past couple months. Like why everybody's yeah. mad at us all the time. And it's like, oh, because we're not like prefacing the things we're saying by being like, oh, and by the way, JK, raci- racism is bad. Uh, and uh, <laughs> women should read. <laughs> Which just ruins the fucking vibe. It's, it's, it's a fuck. Yeah. I felt bad wanna, even saying that. I'm like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, no, I, I um, I saw this review um, of a newer movie called uh, Scary of 61st Street. And it's Dasha's like... movie. Yeah, yes, Dasha yes. yep. Um And the review of it was awesome. Like, uh, it was on Instagram and the reviewer was just like, uh, this this movie completely mishandles its material and does not treat it sensitively. And for one, I'm glad. <laughs> I was like, right. And I was right. like, I want to be... Hey, this is why we're friends, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Don't handle anything sensitively. And if you don't understand that a podcast is a piece of entertainment as much as like a movie or a a a song or or, or a book or whatever, then, you know, the only thing that's, you know, kind of outside the realm of art, I think is like how you live your daily life. Yeah. And imagine uh, that. If, if in your daily life, the thing thing that's outside of art is the thing that's outside of art <laughs> like yeah and it's like you know if you go to a gas station and you're buying your your chips or whatever and the clerk asks you how are you doing and you're like not good bitch yeah you? I, I i don't think you should be reading i don't think yeah, you should like... be reading and also you're black fail like that's <laughs> that's all really mean stuff to Awful. say to a real person <laughs> that you would that nobody would ever do right. you know i mean uh i mean i was hanging out with with jack who's got the the perfume nationalist podcast right sure. we were eating lunch and i mean when waiters came by he was polite and nice and you'd never know that he was this guy who had made this podcast that made so many people angry <laughs> you know what i Again, mean because he's also a normal person by- also by being art like that's right. that's another like I, f- I feel a kinship yeah. there with like following that that show just being this art, art project and it's like so i think people right now just don't totally understand what podcasts are 100%. like percent i think i think when people hear podcasts they think they, they like automatically think, oh, this is somebody who's going to tell, they, they think basically you're old school, like radio, like kind of like talk show right. host, like this mm-hmm. is going to, this is, these are people telling other people how to think. Mm-hmm. And that's <laughs> it's certainly not what I'm doing on my show. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that's we, not what you're we doing. We are here. telling people to go buy Berserk and it's working. People are spending yeah. hundreds of dollars on Berserk. <laughs> uh, Which is crazy. Spend hundreds of dollars on us. We're going to start a Patreon. Right? And not we even, pirated not, not that even shit. Re- we're not even going to release bonus content. We're just going to put a Patreon up to be like, while you're spending hundreds of dollars on this on this manga, uh, give us $5 also. 
but yep. um but no, finders fee. Your, yeah there you go your assessment of it is 100 correct like people do not understand what podcasts are quite yep. yet right they exist in this weird space uh <clears throat> between reality and performance art yeah like sometimes it's real and sometimes it's not i mean it's the comedy shows back in the day it's like howard stern or wrestling back in the day or it's wrestling wrestling, right right like like sometimes it's kayfabe sometimes it's real and that's what's fun about it is that it all takes actual performance right Right. we're all yeah we're all firing off the cuff and like trying to bring whatever we can Mm -hmm. like to the table same as yeah. wrestling it's like yeah he really hit that dude with the chair i mean the guy knew he was gonna hit him with the chair but yeah um, and he might have pulled it a little so he didn't like lay it in but like yeah so, he hit so him <laughs> just 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 for listeners right like what what happens in saint sadist oh um a woman that gets impregnated by her father and then uh, she decides uh but this is after he'd been raping her for um for six years um, he finally pulled he finally forgot to pull out <laughs> there's a passage about that and i will not recite it on the air that that's actually addressed <laughs> it is addressed um and uh, uh and then so she kind of um takes this as a uh as a reason to uh run away and uh, join a cult so it kind of takes things from out of the frying pan and into the fire and then it kind of does a lot of i'm doing this thing with my hands that y'all can't yeah your listeners can't see because this is not a visual podcast but like a lot of uh playing with the the linearity of storytelling and all that and uh i don't know so those words that you said about her getting raped those are things that you typed those are things that you thought in your head and then you felt that you could just type those things into yeah. your word processor and then get those published. But we all recognize that as being art and being right. something that you were doing. That's it's like, it's, I know the real Lucas. I know that you would never engage in an incestuous relationship with your child. I'm no. pretty sure about this, right? Like yeah. our chat is just dad's. Yes. Sending it's each other pictures of like pictures of our kids. I'll be, I'll be like, <laughs> Gus is doing this. Kelby says, Rowan's doing this. You say your kids are doing, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. And it's all yeah. cute pictures of whatever, but you made this thing. You mm-hmm. made this thing. Right. So is that you and, and you're, you're dead on that people haven't quite caught up to the fact that podcasts are tough to understand. Right. Yes. You know, and people could say like, oh, that's tough to understand. Well, what about when you said, uh, buh, buh, buh. and I'm like, well, what about when Lucas wrote this? <laughs> is that that's... really, is that, is that really, but like podcasts do get tricky. I don't want to be glib about it, right? Like podcasts right. are trickier because sometimes like I will vote Republican for the foreseeable future. Like that's a thing that I will do. That's not a joke, but it's not as simple as like these little talking points you know what i mean like it's 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 tough well that's what makes it such a fun art form is it's so dangerous and it is like as we're saying this it like sound it like sounds like uh covering our ass or something but like the um i've never done a bit on here but it is a performance so it's like it's not this thing it's even more different than wrestling it's like oh but it's fake 
so so y'all are saying it's like kind of taking real life or improvisation and then but it's fake it's well uh no um no actually david's because, really gay i mean because I really... because of the format i think like i think because of the format like i mean you're just like like every single person who ever walked the face of this earth like has just random thoughts that come into their head and and you know and because of the format of a podcast you're just like you're just riffing most of the time it's being captured right see we were talking we were uh i won't i don't want to get this person in trouble i was talking to somebody who would make my point kind of bulletproof if i was if i wasn't concerned about getting them in trouble but uh and and i had the light bulb moment of like because we were also talking about how david and i are always you know (laughs) by well okay if we wanted to share numbers we're beloved across the fucking world but by a small pocket of people who have pretty much known us uh you know we get hated on for this show and i'm talking to this person and i'm realizing in our conversation not just about the show but like just in our normal conversation i'm like this is the kind of shit that we would that people would hate on us for and we're just having a conversation so it's the recording of the conversation ah. that makes this like weird critical it's, it's like permanent I'm, now it's permanent now and, and it's yeah the, yeah i don't know the refusal to acknowledge that we all have conversations and just kind of get it we agree to get what the person is saying in the context and how they're delivering it like the refusal to translate that to experiencing it through an art form i'm just i I ain't got time for yeah you can hate i just got a check from amazon today and was actually like oh shit i love having readers now (laughs) it's nice yeah, no, it's um, and like Kelby said, I don't want this to be misinterpreted as like covering our ass or being like, you know, what, what we who we actually really are are these good people who are digestible to you. Like, that's not interesting at all, and I'm I'm definitely not digestible. Uh, my my most most people aren't. <laughs> most people most people aren't. Uh, I I definitely think some things that. Uh, you'd probably disagree with like Lucas, maybe Kelby would disagree with, but like, I, um, I disagree that having sex with dudes sounds fun, but right. Right. Exactly. Know. We're, we're going to differ on that for a long time and that's totally fine. But like, but what we are trying to say is that like, if, if you don't get what podcasts are, you're never going to move beyond the kind of rut that you're in. Right. If, if you're not willing to perform and, you know, some great advice that I got was like that you, you have to kind of needle people um, yeah. constantly to, to, to make sure that they're still there. And that's a very sleaze, horror, trash tradition, like in films, books, music, whatever, like you do little things that aren't it's not like it's 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 not fake it's just that you're kind of taking the filter off for a second and just letting yourself be yourself and and knowing that that's gonna fucking 
agitate people because it's going to be contradictory to something that we said in episode 37. Right. Or well, like that. I think like a lot of times, like, you know, like the thing, it's not necessarily the, the thing that's being said that's, that's quote real. It's the, like the, like the intent that's real. And like you said, like the intent, the intent is in the name of, of the show. You know, um, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a podcast that's called Agitator. I always yeah. wanted, like, whenever I see people getting upset about the show, I want to be like, you sound agitated. Just, yeah. just want to post the logo. Yeah. <laughs> just share, just be, hello. Agitator. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. It's... So Kel- Kelby and I are in a proud tradition of people like Ikeda, of people like Nike of people who uh because a lot of people don't remember this but when Nike's movies specifically Ichi the Killer audition you know were coming out in the U.S. they were uh really pushed back against and a lot of people thought like this guy is an insane misogynistic uh rapist his uh his um imprint never got released on HBO or on Showtime's yeah. Masters of Horror. Like it was never, never came out. I got the DVD, yeah. but right. uh, um, that was the only way you could have seen it back in the day. Yeah. And that's like, that's not even the most fucked up thing he's done by a no, fucking country no. mile. But, uh, but we are actually following in that tradition with this. Right. And right. I think that it's really interesting that so many people who purport to you know, uh, discuss and bring to light these kind of trashy masterpieces. This podcast actually embodies the spirit of the filmmakers that we purport to to like, right? Like they made people mad. People right. boycotted them. <laughs> yeah. So it seems fucked up to me to like make a podcast about these people and be too afraid of being boycotted or or people you know getting mad at you to yeah. do that justice no i get that i mean i guess you could say that like i mean i get i take that approach with my books you know because mm-hmm. i don't really <laughs> i definitely don't have a filter <laughs> i mean my 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 upcoming one is i just well um i'm doing a mass market edition and it's like it's like 550 pages or something crazy like that (laughs) which is going to be fucking dope that's going to be super sick i can't Uh, wait to hold that brick i know i know i'm gonna buy that shit in paperback it's gonna be so dope because i mean we've read them but i want to have the the actual books yeah people should read luke i mean like people should read your books because you're still doing something interesting and when you're when you're writing these books, you still, you do embody that spirit of like, you know, anything could, could and does happen. Um, right. And uh, I don't know. I just wish more people did. Yeah. I've always been perplexed by what is keeping uh, <laughs> Lucas from being these big. Cause I think your shit a hundred percent lines up with the kind of thing we're that we're trying to push out there that we're trying to articulate and say like this is the kind of shit we want to see like lucas has been left and right fucking dropping (laughs) shit i mean i don't know how many you have now but it's been like it's close to a dozen i think (laughs) 
is it just that i mean it seems yeah. like you did half a dozen over the past year oh god yeah well see that's that's yeah that's the thing i, I almost feel like <laughs> so yeah i did those those three books and and now but then i pulled them because for reasons i probably should not talk about publicly um and uh it's actually worse than probably just saying what it is right? i know i know like, no like, it I just hold them for reasons and people are like did they oh i'll do the uh you know <laughs> what did they do to you it was create creative differences creative differences <laughs> they suck fuck them <laughs> fucking losers uh, <laughs> but this is a podcast and everything i, I say is not real <laughs> seriously get fucked <laughs> yeah get fucked <laughs> um yeah no i yeah, no i i mean look they they were they they get they gave me no shit over getting my rights back so i i i cannot uh say anything that's the best thing you can say about a publisher is that they didn't complain when you wanted their <laughs> rights back that's pretty fucking bad <laughs> yeah i mean no, i got people well, from broken river who were like uh you know oh yeah this like made my career like i've I'm a professional writer now because I had a book on broken river. So if like, it's like, well, they gave me my rights back when they <laughs> fucked it up. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> needless to just say, people uh, like, just don't be publishers. Don't, yeah. don't, don't be a publisher. Just don't. You have yeah. one of two things, right? You either have money or you have cloud, which will get your authors seen. I never had money, but I had cloud. Mm-hmm. So I was able to fulfill one of those two uh, check boxes that actually helped the writers that I worked. Not right. all of them. Uh, some of them it didn't work out, but you know, it's like Can't some of these all. people they just they just start some stuff and they're like, we're going to give you, we'll give you three hundred bucks for six books, yeah. and then we'll keep seventy five, eighty percent of the royalties. And it's like, and your cover is going to suck ass, and yeah. we're going to do zero promotion. And it's like. What's the name of your publishing house again? Like I'm confused. Wait, if <laughs> yeah. but the uh, look, the flip side of it is like I got my rights back and I got all this content that I have now put into one giant book. That yeah, um, it's gonna be so. Be, yeah, it will be up for uh, pre-order by the time this episode drops. Oh, that's uh, so dope. That's digital so darkness. We totally did that on purpose because we're professionals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we timed that so amazingly it was so good well everybody yeah. go uh watch evil dead trap oh uh, yeah listen to agitator listen to make your own damn podcast it's great it's uh lucas and jeff burke they talk about well trauma films ostensibly but you know it's, yeah it started it's, out it's, as just a trauma thing and now we kind of we kind of expanded to um uh kind of exploitation and diy right horror right. or cult movies as a whole um yeah um it's a fun time i mean we do we have episodes every thursday um and uh you know uh, we take we talk we talk a lot about like behind the scenes stuff and um you know uh i don't know it's a fun time our 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 most popular episode covers uh the movie bizarre bizarre which is the probably the trashiest true crime documentary ever made um it's about yep. a serial killer named bob Berdella who was active in the 80s and it's narrated by james elroy the crime author the so, goat the absolute yeah. goat my so, favorite writer for sure but yeah definitely listen to that podcast uh lucas i love you 
I'm, oh, I'm so happy you that too. you came back. I hope you come back some more. Yeah, we um, still got to do Crazy Thunder Road at some point. Yeah, Crazy Thunder Road yeah. will be the next one that we bring you on for. And that'll probably be another six or seven months just to space just to space out the guest appearances. <laughs> That's all if right. it's like if it's like three episodes in a row with Lucas, they're gonna be like, why why does nobody else want to go on their show? <laughs> what happened? What, what happened? <laughs> Lucas is the only one that still fucks with them. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I guess that'll do it. Oh, I was about to hit stop. You're the one recording. <laughs>